This is a Mortarbox Media Podcast. For more podcasts and to learn how we can help you create your own, visit mortarboxmedia.com. Welcome to the Madison Story Slam podcast. It's me, your host, Adam Rosted here. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us for some great stories today on this episode that we're calling Just Friends from Universe 7. That'll make sense later. Hey, if you do us a favor, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Also, if you could go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts app, leave us a five-star rating and a review. That helps a ton. You can also go to patreon.com slash madisonstoryslam if you want to play a bigger part in what we do here on this show. On this episode, we're going to hear from Maria De La O as she tells us a story about finding out where she's been and where she's from, and it's kind of strange. But first up, we're going to hear from David Heinen. He's telling a story about making your intentions you know, clear when you enter in a relationship and uh, the intentions and expectations, I guess. Hey, just want to remind you of some upcoming Story Slam events on Friday, February 8th. That's the week this podcast comes out. We're at the McFarland Public Library. You can find out more about that one on our Facebook page. The theme is Best Date, Worst Date. February 16th at the Wilmar Center, Saturday, February 16th. The theme is Scars, also on our Facebook page. And then March 16th, the theme is Courage. We're looking forward to those events and hope you are too. That's enough shilling from me. Without any further ado, here is David Heinen. So this is the story of my elementary school crush. Her name was Anne. That's A-N-N-E. I want to make that clear. You needed that extra E, okay? It's like the E at the end of the word old. This is, this is straight up Shakespearean stuff. She's a classy, classy elementary school lady, right? <laughs> so I crushed on Anne from kindergarten on. I can't ever remember crushing on anyone else. I was a very monogamous elementary school kid. So let me just give you an anecdote to demonstrate the depth of my crush. Second grade. Okay, think about that. Second grade. Like, you got the blackboard, you got the teacher. There's probably like 28 or 30 of us in the class. So like five rows of six, six rows of five, whatever. We're in social studies because you're always in social studies in elementary school. I'm in the second row in the middle of the class. Anne, my elementary school crush, she's behind me to my right, okay? She's probably like second row from the back. So teacher, you know, does anybody want to read? As y'all remember, everyone always wants to read. I wanted to read. Anne gets called on. And you remember, getting called on to read was like winning a Congressional Medal of Honor. It was like the greatest thing in the world. Anne gets called on. What do I do? Everyone else in the class, just picture this, is just, you know, following along in the book with their little seven-year-old finger. Not me. This was an opportunity. I turned to look back. Like, like I'm talking like smash my knees into the desk, like crane my neck, just stare at this girl while she's reading. She turns beet red. I remember that. To her credit, though, not just a classy lady, intelligent, too. She did not falter in her reading at all, despite all this male attention. <laughs> And I remember this because afterwards, like at recess or something, Anne's best friend, Anna, 
That was a whole thing, Anna and Anna. Try saying it five times fast. Anna takes me aside and makes sure that I know that that was weird, what I did. (laughs) I was flabbergasted, like, what? I remember it so clearly because Anna, at this point, still had a little bit of a speech impediment. You know, had a little trouble with her R's. We've only been talking for four years at this point. We're seven, so I don't fault her for it. She, when she said weird, it, it wasn't weird. It was weird, okay? W-E-E-U-D, weird. So that soundbite will stick in my mind forever. That was weird. So I'll tell you the end of the story of the crush. In sixth grade, I asked Anne out. I did it. She turned me down flat. Turned me down cold. But I'm telling you, the feelings were mutual. I really believe that. Because what she said was her parents wouldn't allow it. In sixth grade, we're 12, right? So parents are still a thing. And (laughs) her parents wouldn't allow it. How can you fault someone for that, right? This girl is classy. She's intelligent. She's virtuous, right? She's trying to do right by her parents. And as we all know, in the Aristotelian model, virtue inextricably linked with beauty, right? Just saying. Anyway, at the end of sixth grade, I switched schools. I never see any of my elementary school people again. Until 10 years later, an even decade, who should friend me on Facebook, thank you, Mark Zuckerberg, but Anne, my elementary school crush. Long story short, we get lunch at Panera. I haven't seen this girl in 10 years. And like, if you're 40 and you haven't seen someone in 10 years, big deal. Like, you had kids, you blinked, 10 years passed. I haven't seen this girl from 12 to 22. That's middle school, high school, and college. Like, those are the years that make you who you are. When I walk into Panera, I got two thoughts. One, I'm just curious. Like, who did she become? She could have become anyone. Two, of course, I'm wondering, will there be a spark, right? I mean, think about it. Elementary school crush, 10-year hiatus, and then you live happily ever after, right? (laughs) Three hours later, lovely lunch, lovely girl, really great conversation, no spark. No spark. We get real chummy. We're like exchanging book recommendations. But (laughs) it's it's really hard to describe. It's like... I've kind of flashed back to being in elementary school almost. Like, it was just kind of fun and bubbly, but to think about her like in a romantic way, in a sexual way, it almost felt like, um, like what's the word when you're sexually attracted to children? You know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah. Maybe not something to shout out in a crowded room of people, but no, yeah, absolutely. Um, It was just like, it just felt inappropriate. I don't know, it was very bizarre. At the same time though, I really enjoyed talking with her. I wanted to keep getting to know her. And over the course of the next year, year and a half, we develop a friendship. And hanging out with her was like, again, it was just, it it was almost like she opened this portal to my past. I'm remembering like people and sights and sounds that I'd completely forgotten. And it was, there's something so warm and comforting about it, it was wonderful. I didn't want it to end. And <laughs> had other ideas. So <laughs> we go to the art museum. After our time with the art museum is done, 
We're outside. We're about to go our separate ways. She's going this way. I'm going this way. We parked in different places. So I'm trying to be a gentleman. I'm, you know, can I walk you to your car? She says, uh, well, actually, I have to tell you something. I'm like, mm, okay. She's like, yeah, I, I, think, I think I'm about to start seeing someone. And I'm like, okay. Like, I, I was about to say, like, tell me about him. And she's like, but before I could say that, she interjects. She's like, yeah, so I don't think we should see each other anymore. And I'm like, wait. Internally, I freak out. I'm like, wait, did she think that we were... Because, again, I'm not even attracted. Like, our relationship has been completely platonic. Like, the most I've given her is, like, the, like the butt-out grandma hug. Like, she's getting grandma hugs. What could she have misconstrued? So I'm reeling. I'm trying to be diplomatic. I'm trying to salvage the situation. And I'm like, oh, like, I, I hope that I didn't give you the impression that I was interested in you romantically. She's tactful enough to recognize, and she's like, oh, no, 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 you made your intentions of friendship very clear. She said those words. And I'm like, I did? <laughs> um, but, so long story short, and again, this is a virtuous girl, if she's even on the cusp of dating someone, she's not going to speak to another man. Which I don't really get, but I respect. Because again, like I said, in the Aristotelian model, um, <laughs> So we go our separate ways. You know, I, I, I'm still scrambling. I'm like, well, I hope I get to see you again. Another butt-out hug. Um, we say goodbye, potentially for the last time. And she walks this way, I walk this way. And I'm still reeling, and I'm just like, internally I'm thinking, like, what just happened? Like, did I just get dumped? Like, did I just get friend-dumped? Like, I'm reeling involuntarily, I'm walking this way, I turn to look back. And in that moment, I flashed back to second grade when I turned to look back in social studies class. And the same thought came to my mind that at this point just applies to my childhood at large. I turned to look back and I just thought, that was weird. <laughs> weird indeed, David. Weird indeed. Big thanks to David for sharing that story, and a big thanks to all of our audience that came out to Story Slam Breakups in the month of January. That's when that story was recorded. If you missed that story, you couldn't come to our live event, you should know that every month, the third Saturday of the month, we do a live stream. So when we're live at the Wilmar Center, we're also live on Facebook. The third Saturday of every month at 7 p.m. on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash madisonstoryslam you can tune in live to see the stories as they're told and join along with us. Hope to see you there. Next up, it's Maria De La O. So on April 10th, 2017, it was, I, I would be lying if I said it was one day, but it was definitely one of multiple days in my life where I had, in fact, reached a breaking point. Um, I had just had a breakup, and no, this is not another breakup story, because I've... <laughs> I tell a lot of those, I know that, I am well aware. Uh, this is about what happens after. So I was really pretty depressed and I was best friends with this girl at the time. 
uh, who she always mentioned really casually, you know, my mom does a thing, my mom does a thing, my mom can do this one thing. Um, and I kind of took it with a grain of salt because she didn't bring it up all the time, but it was just something that when she would say it, it would just kind of roll off her tongue like it was the most natural thing in the world. And I, for some reason, I never felt inclined to ask her in great detail about it until after this breakup. I was like, what are you always talking about that your mom does? Like something about birthdays? And she's like, yeah, well, you know, my mom has this thing that she can do where like if you give her your birthday and your full name, your full birth name, like she can tell you about yourself. Like she can tell you who you are. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, and she, you know, she can do it for other people too. Like she can do it for if there's someone that you're in love with or someone who's like really special to you in your life. Like if you tell her that information, just that information and you don't tell her anything else, like she can tell you who they are. And I, in my head, I was always thinking like, what, what does that even mean? I, I, she, my friend wasn't, <laughs> God bless her. She wasn't the most eloquent person. And, I'm, and that's not to say she was dumb, because she was a couple years younger than me, but she had, she'd gone to like 12 different high schools because she was in the foster system. She survived horrible trauma and sexual abuse from a really young age. So she went to like 12 different high schools, and she still graduated a year early. So the girl was not an idiot, but she just wasn't exactly a wordsmith. So finally, I reached this breaking point, and I was like, okay. I want, to, I want to talk to your mom, because her mom was, they had been estranged for various points, but her mom was back in town because um, the older daughter had had a baby, so she wanted to see her grandchild. So it just so happened the mom was in town, and you know she tells me, yeah, she wants to meet you too. So we set up this time, and it's Monday, April 10th of 2017, and I go over to uh, my best friend's sister's apartment, because that, that's where she is, and the baby's there. Um, and she has me meet her, and right away when I meet her mom, I'm a little put off, just to be superficial for a moment, because I see her mom, she was white, by the way, so her mom was white, and her mom was wearing this, like, kind of head wrap thing, which I just, I gotta tell you, my whole life, especially living in Madison, when I see Caucasian people wearing headgear that is not of their own ethnic background, I kind of take, you know, I kind of look at it a little bit skeptical, I'm like, what are you trying to do there? You know, and especially like in this area, we see a friggin' poster for like Fête de Marquette. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Like, certain time of year, Madison festival season, you see a lot of that going around. So I, I noticed that right away, and in my head, I'm like, okay, just reserve judgment, just reserve judgment. And her mom is, you know, oh, I'm, I'm so glad to meet you, Maria. I've been hearing about you for years and whatever. Like, we need to find a quiet room to do this. So uh, the older sister had taken her infant and, and gone out somewhere. So we went into the baby's room the new <laughs> baby nursery, and she's like, I just need to get my things, and I, I sit in there, so I'm sitting in this empty baby nursery, like in the rocking chair, and <laughs> just waiting for her to come in, which is a really awkward feeling, like I'm in a weird waiting room. So finally she comes in, and she's still got that scarf on, <laughs> and she's got this little, this little like, it's not even a device, because it wasn't electronic, but it was just this little thing, it looked like a piece of jewelry, which I'm obviously quite familiar with, but I don't ask questions. I'm like, I'm just going to roll with it, let her do her thing. So she's got this, it's this skinny gold chain. And there's these two little tiny, tiny little balls on the end of each one. Like, almost like shrunken marbles. Like marbles for like, not to borrow a quote from Zoolander, but like marbles for ants. <laughs> just like, they're literally just so tiny, I could barely see them. And one is milky white and one is like the color of Mars. So she's got this and she asks me to tell her my birth name and my birthday so I, I do that and then she tells me is there anybody that you would like to ask me about 
And I know what she's getting at, so I'm like, okay, there's no point in being coy. And at this point, my friend comes in and she just sits down and she goes, pretend I'm not even here. And I'm fine with her hearing because she's my best friend. It's nothing she hasn't probably heard before. So she sits down and she's listening. And I say, yeah, there is this guy that I, that's from my past. I'm not going to say his name. Um, but I, I said it to her. That was enough. Um, so I, I give her his name and his birthday. And she closes her eyes. And she starts spinning this chain that she has with the two things attached to it. And it's spinning like around like this. And she's just kind of like meditating for a minute is the best word that I can think of to do it. And she's nodding her head and she goes, okay, so I'm going to tell you this. And she tells me, I'm looking into your Akashic records. And I'm like, what the hell is that? (laughs) I don't know what that is. I've never, I went to Catholic school, by the way. I had a Catholic mother. I don't know what Akashic records are. All I can think of is like two things. Like one, the high school guy that I had a crush on, his name was Akash. And two, this, the serial Kashi, like that's what's in my brain, because <laughs> that's what it sounds like. And again, this is a white woman, so I'm like, where is she, like what does this have to do with her? But um, it's just like, I'm looking into this, and it tells me that you and blank, this boy that I mentioned, you are from the same soul set. And I go, excuse me? And she's like, you were in a soul set. And it was actually a soul set of three. There's one other person. And I'm like, well, who's the other person? And she goes, I don't have their name, but it's a woman. It's another woman. And she is not in this part of the world. I'm, I'm getting that she is in India. So you've never met her. You may never meet her. I don't know. And I'm, I, again, these are words I've never heard. So I asked her, like, what do you mean soul set? And she's like, well, you were born in, this, in the same soul set. It's basically like your souls are triplets. And you were from something, I can't remember the word she used, for, for the love of God, because I tried to look it up later. <laughs> you know I tried to Google it later. She tells me, you are from something or other, universe seven. And I said, what? And she goes, it's the one universe that wasn't affected by the fall. And for any of you who didn't go to Catholic school or don't have any theological background, the fall is basically referring to the devil when he was one of the angels and he wanted to be higher than God, so he fell down and was cast out. And she said, yeah, this is the universe, there, there's a universe that wasn't affected by that. And I just, I'm speechless, like I'm just sitting there absorbing all of this. And she's like, that's where you're from and that's why you always feel so connected to him. And she tells me like, you know, this is not your first lifetime, this is not your only lifetime. The reason that you two feel so connected is because you've always been together in some form in your different lifetimes. Like, and I'm, I'm going, well, how do you mean? Like, what is it, were we married? And she's, she's like, you've been married, you've been his mother, he's been your father. <laughs> she's pulling it all out. And I'm like, uh-huh. And I'm like, okay. So let me just ask you, he's with someone else now. And, you know, I've, I've just never been able to get over that. And she's, she's like, okay, well, I'm going to need her name. So I go, okay. I give her that person's name and that person's date of birth. And she spins again. And she tells me, oh, okay. And she's like nodding. Like she's literally getting this information transmitted to her from outer space or something. And she's nodding. She's like, okay, I see what this is. And I'm like, well, tell me. And she goes, well, 
oh, this is perfect for him. You know, like he, he loves this because, and I'm like, why, why do you say that? And, and because the, I, I told her, I was like, this person is really unhealthy for him. Like they're doing all these things that he's not supposed to be doing. He's around a really bad crowd, at, at least as far as she goes, like this is not good. And she's like, yeah, but he likes that. Like he, it doesn't matter if, he, if they're doing things that he's not supposed to do. He wants to be around it. He wants to see it, et cetera. He's, she tells me he's cheated on her, all of this. And gives me all this information. And she tells, I, I, so I ask her, I say, well, do you think that we're going to ever be together? And I have to say, in this lifetime. Because <laughs> I want to specify, in, in her case, you got to specify, apparently if I've lived 45 lifetimes or whatever, like, I want to know. And, she's, and she says, I don't think that you will. I don't, I don't think that that's going to, it doesn't appear that that's going to happen. And I'm like, well, at this point, I'm frustrated because I was already really depressed. I'm like, well, what's the deal? Like, does she, you know, does this happen to everybody? And, and my friend chimes in, no, you know, I get to be with, with my soulmate in this lifetime. Everything's going to be fine. So, you know, we say our goodbyes and everything. I don't have much to say after that. And when I wake up the next morning, I just feel completely drained of energy. Like, I feel like I'm empty. I literally feel like the life has been sucked out of me. And I've never felt exactly that empty before. And I remember reading in a book when I was younger about a girl that had, it was a supernatural book, and she had come across with some really, like, demonic beings. And the next day, she couldn't get out of bed. She literally just couldn't get out. She was like, I feel like my life is worthless. And that's exactly how I felt. And my friend called me up. She said, you know, is there anything I can do? And in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, you, you've got your soulmate. You're fine. Um, but basically, to, to kind of sum it all up, like, I was always told to stay away from stuff like that. And a lot of people think that's a joke because there's a lot of funny shit that happens when I tell that story. It's funny. But I was always taught to stay away from things like that. I know a lot of people who are involved in like readings and clearings and like that's, that's their prerogative. Like everybody can do. It's a free country for sure. I'm not here to stop anybody. But I, I'm not going back to that. I, it, it didn't work for me. I've, like I said, I've never felt so drained and soul sucked. So... Anybody who wants to do those readings and clearings, y'all can do whatever you want, but please keep it away from me. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Anybody here a fan of Third Rock from the Sun? When she was telling about the lady who, you know, span, spun and was getting stuff, I just was thinking, incoming message from the big giant head. Uh... Anybody think it's a little curious that anybody who's had a previous life reading has never been told, oh, you were the shit digger for the circus? Like, it's always, it's always, you come from a universe where the fall and sin, you're perfect. It's always like, you're, you were Cleopatra. It, you, you were never Cleopatra's, you know, porta potty shovel outer. You know, <laughs> it's just, it's so funny to me. Like, because. If previous lives are real, you had to at one point be the shit digger. Like, you just had to. <laughs> You're perfect. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's bullshit. I, I'm sorry. If you, if you think it's real, if you think it's real, more power to you. I think it's bullshit. You know, listeners, sometimes in the heat of the moment of being live on stage at the Wilmar Center after a storyteller shares a story... I may say some things that I regret, you know, some things might come out of my mouth that, you know, later listening to, I wish they hadn't, but actually that wasn't one of them. I I think it's total bullshit. Uh, But here's the thing. If you believe that stuff, more power to you. Like I said at the end, I respect you. I'm not going to tell you you're stupid or anything. I just 
I don't believe it. Anyway, that's it for today's show. Thanks again for tuning in and listening to our storytellers share parts of their lives that they may not otherwise share with people. Uh, What we do is really unique, and if you want to be a bigger part of it, the best thing that you can do is come to one of our live events. It's the third Saturday of every month at the Wilmar Center in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, Sometimes we have some special events outside of those dates. But if you can't make it to Madison, if you're too far away, you can always tune in the third Saturday of every month at 7 p.m. Central Time on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Madison Story Slam for the live stream video of live stories from the Wilmar Center. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, I love you.